Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the fatherhood authority. Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us on another Sunday. I love you guys. You guys are actually at doing what I asked you to do over the last couple of weeks, and that is to hit those subscribe buttons. I keep telling you how important that is to the podcast for you to subscribe, whether or not you're on a um, podcast platform or you're on YouTube. Make sure you follow and subscribe because it means a lot to the algorithm. The more you guys engage with me and the more I engage with you, the more people see the content. And so I've been telling you, listen, we're number seven on the um, feed spot list of over 1,800 dad podcasts across the world. We are number seven, y'all. And so the only uh, way you get to number one is that you hit them uh you hit those subscribes and you hit those follows those follows we got everything else covered you know we got content we got sound we got all those areas because there's about six different categories that they judge you by we got everything covered except for that one so i am going to urge you to make sure that if you're listening you're listening for about 30 minutes anyway to sign the button right there in front of you just reach your finger over hit the button and and and, and we good And so, but thank you for all of you guys who responded and have been responding to that. As always, I just have people on this podcast that just warm my heart. That's just, you know, I find it both a pleasure um, and a blessing for any of the brothers and sisters that God has put in my path, um, that's put before me to lead, to put behind me to follow to stand beside me um in the work of you know strengthening families one father at a time no matter where we are on the planet and this brother is of no exception and so i won't even read the brother's bio because he's got so much going on that we're going to try to unearth today and he's got a new um prefix on his name doctor he's always been a doctor Somebody just gave him a paper and now making him believe like he just became a doctor. They sleeping on the brother. He's always been a doctor. So now that he's actually got paper that y'all need to see, because I don't need to see it. I'm for the first time, this is like he's just got married, right? For the first time introducing to the world, Dr. Frank Malone. He is the CEO and founder of 100 Fathers, Inc. in the DMV, Washington, D.C., y'all. And he's been doing that work for a long time, and we're going to get into that today. Simply, I'm going to tell you this about him. His organization strives to lead fathers toward greater involvement with their children and families by promoting health and wellness, eliminating violence and inappropriate behavior in our youth, and by promoting values and character development. I have always loved their tagline, and their tagline is extraordinary men. No. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things. Let me say that one more time so y'all get it right. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things. Dr. Malone, how you doing, sir? 
I am blessed and highly favored and honored to finally connect with the power structure for fatherhood around the world. That's Kenneth Braswell and Fathers Incorporated. Thank you for this opportunity. Listen, we just, you know, just you and I, we we cut from the same cloth. Um, You know, God leads us in every step that we take, um, in every vision that we have, in every move that we make. Um, And, you know, when you move like that, again, extraordinary beings do extraordinary things. And so because we have an extraordinary power base. Um, behind that keeps us focused and on task with respect to our purposes in life. Hey, this is how we start I Am Dad podcast every week because I think that the people need to know, those of us who are in this work around fatherhood, they need to know our father's story. So I want you to tell your father's story, whether or not you tell it from the standpoint of your relationship or non-relationship or whatever relationship with your father, or you could talk about it from you being a father and your children, or you could tell it from both. I'm trying to get this thing set up. It just fell. I got excited to touch the wrong button. Give me a second to come back to you. Here I am. Let me, you know, by you bringing that father thing up, it got me excited. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you my story. I'm the son of Franklin Alexander Malone. When my father was buried two years ago at 96, he had been married for 72 years. Mm. He served in the United States Army and drove the Red Ball Express. He shook the hand of the now King of England. He was a man when they preached his funeral They preached it on love. Wow. My father set me up for this, and I didn't realize it. And I was like the, I was like the son that went off and was laying with pigs and woke up one day and said, I need to go back to my father's house. Mm. That's what happened to me. And uh, as a matter of fact, that book that I wrote when I got up from the filth of the pigs is coming out next week. Nice. Then the the next book, which I'm going to ask you to join me on, which I have the vision for, called The 21st Century Father and Man, The Toolkit. Mm. I'm going to ask you to be a co-author on that with nine other brothers. But getting back to my father, this is what my father is about. He's about Proverbs 20 and 7. It says the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Mm. I don't know how, you know, God, you know, when God got his hand on you, you ain't got nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? 
Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, man. That is such an awesome. That's going to take me down a whole nother trail of questions and conversations. But you are now enjoying, I believe, grandfatherhood. Like you are oh, really enjoying grandfatherhood. Let's talk about because we don't get enough to, time to talk about grandfathers. We talk a lot about fathers, but we don't talk enough about the role of being a grandfather. Talk to me a little bit about that. That is the optimum role that you want to get to. You know, I have raised when let me let me go back when I got married. After I came up out of the filth of the pigs, when I got married, my wife said, well, you can marry me, but I want you to adopt these two children out of the blue house. Come on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I adopted two children. And... Uh, I became one of them fathers. She had a child when I got married. I adopted two more children. Then I already had a daughter. So that's the kind of father that I was. Okay. I was the kind of father that I was all of those kind of fathers. Adopted father, a father, a stepfather, uh, a father, all of those. But when the grandchildren came, man, this is a crime that I'm committing because you're not supposed to have favorites, Kenneth. It's just terrible. I got a little three-year-old coming up over here calling me daddy-o. She said, daddy-o, daddy-o, they run past my wife at the front door to jump in my lap. Mm. My wife said, aren't you going to give me some sugar? <laughs> said no I'm giving sugar to daddy oh now what am I supposed to do with that lord have mercy I, I've been bad talking I bought the girl a car I didn't even buy my wife a car oh good you know lord. it costs a lot more you know <laughs> but uh, I have a, I have a one year old and a two year old who unfortunately are fatherless hmm Neither one of them got, but guess what? When they come to see Daddy-O, I'm giving them all the fathering that can be done by a grandfather. Mm -hmm. I'm praying over them. I'm teaching them. I'm holding them. I'm showing them the love of a man and demonstrating what that father love is for them to ensure their future will be bright. Wow. That's extraordinary. And that's the conversation that we must have. We must begin to start talking about the role of grandparents um, specifically um, or in general, but grandfathers uh, more specifically, because that's a role that we don't talk about. You know, often, you know, you said the word fatherless and I always resist um, that term because yeah. And yeah. in belief that there are no such thing as fatherless children, that 100% of all biological children on the face of this planet as a father, the question isn't if he exists, the question is where he exists, and therein lies the issue. It's not if, the issue is not in if, the issue is in where. 
And so we don't, we place fathers, we compensate for fathers. So what you're talking about is compensating for the absence of their father because he's not where he is supposed to be. The hurt is as a result of the fact that he exists. So there is no if, right? Yeah. If there was an if, there's no need for a hold, right? If you could just replace it. And it can't be done. And so I'm all, you know, what all these brothers I talk about, when when I see that word, it's like, stop using that word because you're confusing our children because you're leading them to believe that their father doesn't exist. And he does exist. But that is why the pain is what it is, because he exists. Right? And so we got to be truthful and we got to be, you know, I think one of the responsibilities of this work in responsible fatherhood is that we got to be careful about the language that we use um, when we yeah, yeah, and when we're talking about parenting, and when we're talking about our moms, and when we're talking about court, because there's terms and things that we use that are literally in contrast and counterproductive to what it is we're trying to get to, right? And so when two individuals, a mom and a dad, walks out of a courtroom, and one of the individuals say, I won, that means somebody lost. And no parent wants to walk out of the courtrooms having lost. And in actuality, both of you lost. It's not either one of you that lost. It's the child that loses, right? In your situation. And so we got to be careful about I'm going to teach that and accept that. That's a better philosophy Mm -hmm. in trying to understand how we can reconnect. You never know when they're going to reconnect. Right, right, and right, we right, can't right. cut them off. I'm with right. you, brother. I'm yeah. with you. So let's talk about um, 100 Fathers. Talk to me a little bit about how that came into being and what was your motivation for creating it? You know, my father had already set me up to be the kind of father that I needed to be. But there came a time in my life when I had wine, women, and song. Mm -hmm. So much so that God punished me for it. And at some point, I came down with Guillain-Barre syndrome. This was uh, right before I started the 100 Fathers. And the reason was I was already a community leader, but uh, I had some issues. Uh, I ran into some drugs mm-hmm. and it almost killed me. Mm. And I went into the hospital and my parents and my family came to bury me. Kenneth. They came to bury me and I had these tubes running out of me and I was in a coma for three days and I saw this light. And I always remember, always go to the light. Mm-hmm. So I started trying to pray in the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd song, but that didn't do it. And then something said to me, a voice said, confess your sins. And most people say that's why it took me three days before I woke back up. Mm. 
because I committed such atrocities in my life. But once I unloaded, God gave me life again. Mm-hmm. And here I am, Dr. Franklin Malone. But let me tell you, I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to talk again. I was paralyzed from the neck down. Then I got an opportunity to work again. And so I had already worked for the government for about 20 years and was was a consultant. But I got a job in the city of Alexandria. You remember that movie, Remember the Titans? Oh, yes, yes. Those were the families that I work with in the ghetto on Monroe Street in Alexandria. And I brought some brothers in there to the Family Resource Learning Center. And the kids who came to us for learning and help in the community, their fathers were incarcerated, absent, not present. Mm -hmm. And so we showed them fatherly love like they never had before. And they made no mistake about showing up all the time. Then there came a thing called the standard of learning exams. And we in the ghetto with this group of about 40 young people encouraged them to score well. Not only did they score well, they scored the highest of anybody in Alexandria. Mm. Then the city said, well, how did y'all do that? What was the, it was fatherhood. It was fatherly love. Yes, I had a couple of strong women working with me to help them. But it was the love of fathers that encouraged these children to excel. Mm. Next thing you know, I got McDonald's money, got a call from the governor, got things just got moving. Then I got a call from uh, Mayor Fenty in D.C. to come to D.C., well, I had started the uh, the uh, Virginia Regional Coalition for Fathers. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I had Chris Beard working with me who got stolen by NFI. <laughs> so I went to D.C. to the Youth Rehabilitation Services and I started the 100 Fathers and we have not looked back god has just blessed us Mm -hmm. it's been a fight you know but you have to persevere Mm -hmm. if you have a gift you have to bring that gift Mm -hmm. and so god has just blessed us on the way uh to where we are now Mm -hmm. now we have the president's lifetime achievement award we just got the governor the uh i shook governor Westmore's hand two months ago, we passed the, I helped to pass the Custody Relocation Act, mm-hmm. where if a father's paying child support, you can't just up and leave and separate him from his children. That was with uh, Nick Charles. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I connected with a man known as the Apostle. We started an organization, which I want you to join with us, called 
the Million Fathers Project. We did a, a YouTube video that went around the world with 1,000 hits. And uh, the apostle has 1,700 ministers and 400 churches under his leadership. Okay. Little did I know that he was in Germany, France, uh, Switzerland with his ministry. And these people say, we need fatherhood. How can we get it? How can you help us with it? And that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Then um, I uh, was offered a uh, honorary doctor of philosophy degree by Godsu University right at the time when the Supreme Court said no more affirmative action. Mm, okay. And so yeah. it's on the move. God, God has a plan. Yeah, you have, um, I want to step back because I want to dig into some of the things that you talked about. Um, you guys in the DMV, particularly in Washington, D.C., have done some pre- phenomenal things that have been under the radar. One of the things I've learned from you, Frank, and I know you don't know because I don't talk a lot about what I learn from people. I just kind of take it and use it and try to advance in and of myself. But one of the things I learned from particularly you and Joe more specifically and, and, and Halbert Sullivan and even Ron Terzino to a certain extent is that one of the things when I first got into this work and there's always this has been this infatuation about being national. We want to be national this and national that and national this and national that. When scripture says take care of home first, like take it them home. Why are you trying to be all over the place when your home is wrapped? What they say about the shoemaker's children's shoes, that the shoemaker's children's shoes have the worst shoes because he's fixing everybody else's shoes and ain't fixing his own children's shoes. And so it was one of the things that I thank God for with respect of my transition from New York to Atlanta. Because when I came to Atlanta, I was very narrowly focused on I am going to make an impact in this city with respect to fatherhood. And I have not looked outside of that space other than naturally with our national work with the Clearinghouse, but that's a contract. That's not my dig in, build communities work. My dig in, build communities work is here in Atlanta and then ultimately throughout the state of Georgia. And then I got high hopes about taming the South, right? And so, because the South, if you look at the states here in the South, we got the worst performing states as it relates to black people across the board, right? But at the same time, those same three states have the most black people and have the highest level of prosperity amongst black people collectively across the world. So you take those two things and that's a whole nother podcast, right? But one of the things that I admire that you guys have done, and I got to figure out how to do it, and that's what you and I are going to have some deeper conversations, is that you have decided to also pay close attention and deal and dig into policy and laws. 
particularly laws, and that is to get bills and laws passed and to influence government to do the things that at least put an eye towards this work that we're doing. And I want to start first with the commission because you first got, I believe it was D.C., right, to create the Commission on Men and Boys. Talk about that work and what that, mean, what that means to you. That was a hard, that was a hard sell but it required perseverance. We put together the commission for fathers, men, and boys. I had Judge uh, Arthur Burnett working with me. One day, I'm trying to get the city council to take this bill. Y'all see this crime out here? Y'all see what these young men need? But it was a hard sell. All of a sudden, one day, uh, Mayor Marion Barry came up in my neighborhood and talked to me at the time I was an advisory neighborhood commissioner mm-hmm. and had been elected office. And he said, Frank, give me that thing. And he took it down downtown and they passed it. Wow. But the, the thing about it is we've learned from that because we also have a commission in Prince George's County that mm-hmm. we started. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my guys is the chairman of that commission, but you can't let it be a political football. Mm-hmm. You got to have people appointed to these commissions, not for a political payoff, mm-hmm. but for the playoff of running that touchdown for fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes uh Uh, a political football if you don't get the right leadership in place. Well, you know what? Why didn't didn't you have a fear about engaging that? Because most not-for-profits won't engage, particularly African-American not-for-profits, won't engage in advocacy, particularly policy work, because of a fear that something is going to happen to them. I don't even know what they believe is going to happen to them. But you didn't walk in there with that fear. What was different for you walking in there not having that fear about what would or what you believe could happen to 100 fathers? We couched it in different terms. I have an attorney working with me that helps us to use the right advocacy terms. We're not trying to do policy. We're doing advocacy. And if we do it right, the funding should translate back into the community to the areas of need. So we have to have our political champions have to be champions to bring the right legislative fixes that are still not in place. Mm. We need legislative fixes to a lot of this stuff. And uh, somebody has to advocate. So we have to do it. We don't have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the second piece that you talked about um, after that, uh, Darren Hayes, man, just listening to that brother tell his story. And I'm going to get all of you on our podcast soon. We tried before, but I got COVID that weekend and that knocked everything out of just knocked everything. And so but I'm coming back to bring both you, um, you, Darren and and Nick um, on to kind of talk about what that looks like, because what you guys achieved in Maryland is something that has to be achieved across the country. 
And so yes, when you God. get the newly elected Governor Westmore to walk in and put his support behind a bill that impacts um, an aspect of child custody that is the relocation that speaks to the relocation of a child or how a child is moved back and forth without without cause is phenomenal. When I saw that man, my heart broke, my tears. I was like, it's, it, I was like, and I and I could almost guarantee you that still most brothers in Maryland don't know they got that right now. And so that's why I wanted to get you on a podcast so that not only brothers and brothers or fathers in Maryland know that that exists, but fathers across the country should know that it's obtainable, that you can go into your legislature, you can impact law, you can impact policy if you're organized. And I love what you said about connect. You don't have to be, I heard someone say the other day, I saw a meme and I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't know if it was Diddy. No, it was 50 cents. 50 cents said it was a meme that said, I may not be for Harvard, but I have people working with me or working for me who went to Harvard. There you go. And I do too. And I do too. Yeah. And that's where we got to use it. But somebody's got to be the boots on the ground. Mm. And that's what we have. And we also have some champion legislators like, like Senator Muse. We got this sister. We got Nick. We got bonds. We got people who believe in this legislative effort. And then we have to go in and testify. Mm. Somebody got to go in there and tell that story (laughs) that touches the heart. Because I've seen fathers cry over not being able to see their children. And Mm. I've seen children cry because they couldn't be with their father. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this is all about. But talk about Darren for a minute until I get him to tell his own story. Just tell his story so folks will know. um, Well, you know, I didn't know. As we were working on the legislation, I have a guy named uh, David Smith Mm -hmm. who uh, keeps up with you all the time. He's a champion. He does a lot of of our legislative work. (laughs) And, uh, I didn't know that Nick and Darren had formed this legislation because of a personal situation Darren had with Texas, mm. where the wife had just come up and just took the kids, paying child support, doing everything he was supposed to do. Boop, she was gone. They said, wait a minute, this can't be right. Why? And so we put our heads to the grindstone. Uh, fought in the Senate and the and the House to get this thing passed. I had to send people down there to testify all day long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To come and tell our story so it would touch the heart of the legislators so that they would vote for this legislation. But I have to give credit to Nick Charles who fought it all the way through. He and uh can't think of the mm. You got a, a, you got another sister down there, Jill. Senator. Um, Senator. Senator. Yeah. What's her name? Mm. Is it Jill? Not Jill, I'm, right? 
Jill Carter. Jill, Jill Carter. Carter. Yes. She's been mm-hmm. fighting for us. And, you know, I tell my, my soldiers, the men that work with me, always work with the sisters that's working with you. Mm-hmm. It's going to make a difference because that'll bring the ones that don't work with you. They want to see y'all working together. They're going to say, what is this? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. But we just like my wife. Now my wife is in the movement. She said, well, I'm going so on, so on, so on. I said, come on, sister. You know what I'm saying? I see Tracy doing her thing. My wife is trying to be like that. She's trying to be on it and with it. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing this movement from the inside out. It's a family-focused movement. And it's something that has to happen because we're only fathers, Kenneth, because of the children. Mm. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, you know, we, you and I have been, you know, connected, it seems like, over 20 years now. We've just been following each other, supporting each other, and I have had no greater supporter than you from day one to day last. And that's going to exist as long as we um, are on the face of this earth. Um, But I want people to kind of understand, Frank, because one of the perspectives that you have is about this whole field of fatherhood and what this looks like and what we knew it to be 20 years ago, right? And where we are today. What are some of the things that you have seen over the last 20 years that has improved as it relates to fathers? I'm glad you asked that. Let me tell you, they had a program here in D.C. At the time, they had about $10 million budget. They had all these, young, you know about the shootings? We're like the OK Corral right now. They got men shooting all, young men shooting everybody and anybody. Okay, mm-hmm. we said, well, hold it. If you're arresting these young men, what are you teaching them? So they said, we're teaching them life skills, how to get a job, you know what I'm saying, how to get a GED. We said, wait a minute, hold it, hold it. You got 27 young men. How many of my fathers that went back and checked 24 out of 27? age 16 to 26, had 30 children. Wow. We said, y'all need us to bring our certified fatherhood facilitators and our council of elders in there to work with these young fathers. So they gave us a pilot. We walked in, and I got this on film, Ken. We walked in, they was cussing MF this and that and so on, so we listened to them. We said, do you want your children to talk like you? Mm. They said, no. They said, if we want you to listen to what we have to teach you, by the time we got finished with them in nine weeks, we made a video. They said, I need to be there for my children. Mm -hmm. I have to respect my wife or my girlfriend. Otherwise, I will never get to see them children. Mm. I have to learn to be there for them, to spend time. This is what we taught, and it was magnificent. But I, well, something happened to one of the people who's over the money. She died, and we haven't been refunded yet. 
but I know we got the answer for them. These guys, no father wants anybody to do anything to his children this bad. Mm -hmm. And we can use these same, what do they say? The storm and the rain that tears us down is the same power we can use to take us to the shore. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it is, you know, really, you know, I was, um, we were on a meeting the other day talking to somebody about some TA. And, and in fact, I got to respond to this guy because he didn't understand what I was saying, but I was talking about the need to um, cultivate champions. I said, you know, this field needs champions. It needs people who are going to continue to uplift this work regardless of the circumstances, situations, and people in place, right? They have to be there. And so if you're going to do this in a sustainable way, you have to have someone that's going to carry it through. Because over my life in this work, I've seen a lot of great fatherhood programs, great fatherhood agencies, great fatherhood organizations disappear because they didn't yes. have a champion to pull them through. And oftentimes those champions are people who have their hands on the purse strings. Now, as we talk about things that are improving, what's the work left to do? I know all the work is left to do, right? We ain't got nothing that we've completed. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the thing I that keeps you up at night? I, I got some things that I'm working on right now that I want to share with you because okay. you need this in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The dream, this goes back to my father. He says, son, you got to get out there and do this work for the ones that don't have a father to guide them. So we came up with my father's house, the 100 fathers, my father's house, a safe place for fathers, men, and boys. Mm-hmm. Where is that place? Where is that place? They got something for the women. They got something for the others. But for fathers, men, and boys, they don't have a safe place where they can come in and speak to the council of elders, mm-hmm. get empowered with community values, uh, get resources, get help with their child support thing. Somebody to rep that's the plan. Mm-hmm. And we get ready to go on GoFundMe. I want to build this thing and show that we can bring them in, we can change them out, we can make them better. Yeah, so we but need a to young lock arms man, because we need to lock arms because we are we, f- we finished our strategic plan some earlier part of this year. Um and so we're getting ready to move into year one, t- year two of our three-year strategic plan. But in year I've been two, watching, just watch this, watch this. In year two, we are launching, we're in the planning phases now, we are launching a capital campaign to build what we're calling Zion House. Come on. Zion Come on. House is a safe like for fathers and their families. They gotta have Atlanta. it. So we need to connect so that people can see philanthropically 
that this is the answer to solving these kinds of issues in cities yes, across the country. And if you can do it in D.C. and I can do it in Atlanta, it should encourage people across the country that they can do it in their own local jurisdictions. So what I want to do is I want to map our journey so that when we are both successful and when we both have our grand openings, that becomes a roadmap for everybody else to do the same thing in their city. I'm working. Wow. God sent me this apostle. Let me tell you about the apostle. He has a resource center that has pampers, mm. clothes, food. When the Mississippi, you remember when Mississippi got hit by those tornadoes? Mm -hmm. We were able to send three truckloads to Mississippi by way of the apostle in his many churches and his resource center. When we meet with a father, he don't have clothes. He don't have pampers for the kids. He needs shoes. We got a place where we can get that. Mm -hmm. So that's part of that system, that house okay. that I'm talking about where we can help them to stabilize Mm -hmm. And and realize who they are, whose they are, and that they're not alone out here. Mm, nice. And Tell me about the book. With a one eight hundred number. Okay. One eight hundred call dad. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yeah. that in there too. Yeah, no, we are. That's already in play. We have that in the, under our Gentle Warriors Academy. You know, they'll kill me if they knew I didn't know. But it's one eight. I think it's one eight seven something. Hi, Daddy. That's what it is. Okay. Like, one okay. something something. Hi, Daddy. And it's uh because we created not only did we created the toll free number, but we created a text too. And it was a whole marketing thing that we wow. in order to. Well, the the thing is. Um, and this is what all of the marketers and researchers and branders, you know, we, when we had conversations about how to do our outreach, you know, to our dads, particularly those dads that are eight, between 18 and 24, who are really hard to nail down. And their suggestion was that we had to be everywhere they are. So they should not be able to turn and you not be there. You should block them everywhere, whether it's on their phone, on the billboard, on the radio, on the social media, on wherever they turn, they should see you. And the reason they see you everywhere, because when they first see you, they may not need you. When they see you again, they may not need you. When they see you again, they may not need you. Well, on that fourth, fifth, sixth time, when they need you and they don't see you, they'll know where to go and find you. And so there you go. I like that. we are responsible for creating the breadcrumb trail, not them. <laughs> and that's literally what you're doing. You just you, you're laying down breadcrumbs so that when they get hungry and turn around, they can follow them things right back to you. Because you know how young people are. Young people I don't like that believe that they're in need of anything until they um, are in crisis, right? And but they so, are online. They are online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and so you're and the it's a different breed, problem. right? And so we're talking you're about the these generations. Problem. Say that again. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Yeah, say it. I so, got to get you credit. Yeah, when you, um, when you, uh, when we're dealing with these Generation Zers, they're a different breed. These young dads, they 
they don't function the same way, you know, the typical cohort of dads that we work with function. You know, they um, they are much more elusive. Um, they are much more resistant to um, high authority. Uh, yes, they are. They are challenged for the most part with values and morality, um, which speaks to the measure of faith um, that we are exposing our children, or at least the notion of faith, right? The notion that that it is a uh, necessary thing for all humans to believe in something, right? You have to believe in something, right? Yes, you do. We, you and I, we have a belief in something, but everybody doesn't have the same belief. But there are folks, you talk about those individuals that are out there just shooting, killing, and just, just you know, creating mayhem and chaos. Those are individuals that don't believe in anything except for self. Well, we, we believe also that we can turn that generation. We just, we have a science that we teach and we're taking this to Congress called reactionary masculinity syndrome. Now, what is that? Mm. That means you must understand what manhood is. You, I have to understand what do you respect? Okay. Then where is fatherhood in your life? And then there's the reality of racial discrimination and oppression. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't get the first three right, you're either going to jail or six feet under. Mm-hmm. But we have a program that takes them to understand what is a man. That's the first question. Because mm-hmm. most of them say, man, I'm just doing what Joe did down the block. <laughs> well, Joe ain't no good. Why are you following him? Mm-hmm. Why don't you follow real men who mm-hmm. can take you there and help you with it? So this is how we get through this. It's called reactionary masculinity syndrome and you can't go to a hospital and get corrected on anything if they don't make the right diagnosis Mm. that's the diagnosis violence these are the fatherless men who may have a father but they're not following him Mm. so they need somebody to step in and redirect their genius right. to another direction. And that's what we do in the jails, on the streets, with the shooters. So I got some young guys that uh, I went to a program with the shooters. It's a Ms. Malone, you're kind of old to be going up in there. We younger, we going there. Man, I stepped in there and them guys gave me respect. Mm. They see your work, they know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I have some young top soldiers out here on the street right now doing this work. And that's what we got to do, develop the next generation yeah. of fatherhood leaders, mm-hmm. the next generation, just like you talked about. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. our job now, Kim. Yeah. Well, there's always a pleasure Trainer. to you. It's always a pleasure. Um, and we definitely need to connect so we can link some of the things that we're doing and um, Come on, scale, scale these, scale these visions, scale these images, scale these purposes, scale these callings 
Tell everybody how they can contact you, how they can find you. We're at uh, www.100fathers.org. Our phone number is 202-640-3351. And our email is the100fathersinc at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about this book after we get off. I want you on there because it's going to be a million seller. I mm-hmm. guarantee. I'm in. Come on, man. You know I'm in. All right, in. Put my name on the list. I've been waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting. It's on top of the list. <laughs> all right. Listen, brother, man, thank you so much. And I want to thank all of my I Am Dad podcast listeners for listening to us on another Sunday and giving me your time. I know that your time is valuable. Um, you could be anywhere else but you're right here, right now, listening to the words of so many um, leaders and, and, and influencers and people who just have a passion for families. And we always say to people, you know, just because we're advocating for fathers don't mean that we don't care about moms. We are doing we it got because we care about moms, because we Come care on. about children, because we care about family. But our callings and our belief is that if we strengthen men, if we strengthen fathers, everybody else strengthens along with them. And the contrary happens when they're not involved. When they're weak, our families are weak. Our children become weaker. Our communities become weaker. And we just got to be able to do something about that. But thank you so much. Um, you know how I like to leave you. Always be kind to others as you are kind to yourself. Or you might find yourself by yourself always shoot high for your goals because even if you miss you'll be amongst the stars and as my good friend and mentor art mitchell used to always say to me it's nice to be important but it's much more important to be nice until next night peace out that's week thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us you've been listening to i am dad podcast we hope that you have been informed encouraged you to think or even inspired your heart for the love of dads The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IamDadPodcast.com. That's IamDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Because of this reminder, I will always understand that I am dad, period.